Hello and welcome to episode two of the Extreme Tasting League Scotch Edition. I'm Cedius. And I'm Dave. And we're here tonight with uh, again guest Peter. Hello. And we're going to be tasting the Yamazaki 18 and the Craig and Moore 12, is what it looks like from here. Um, two, well, at least one fantastic scotch. I haven't had the Craig and Moore yet, but. Uh, I, I have had the Yamazaki. It's it's one of my favorites ever, and uh, I'm gonna start pouring, and and these two guys are gonna gonna talk while I while I pretend I'm not an alcoholic. So because there was so much other things to do uh, in the first episode, we didn't really get to talk to our guest Peter all that much. So Peter, uh, what do you do? Um, well, I'm a computer technician by trade, so like. Pretty much everyone else. Okay. Well, at least me. There's mm-hmm. there's lots of us that, that tend to enjoy our finer things in life and work on computers, I have noticed. Um, work out of the Renaissance Festival. Um, I do leather tooling um, as one of my hobbies. Uh, so I guess that's me. Now, now at RenFest, what uh, are you involved in? Because there's so many things out there to just say you're at RenFest at Be a Needle in a Haystack. Well, I do leather tooling out there. I actually work at um, Elanda Leather, um, which is one of the shops out there that sells leather mugs. Um, and I do custom designs for him. So. Do you just do vendor stuff out there, or do you also perform in any of the shows? Not at this point in time. I have been on the street in the past. Um, I do stage combat. I have acted. Um, but at the moment, I'm just sticking to being in the shop. It's kind of a nice vacation, I guess. Okay. So. And uh, we, we, we know we touched on how you got into Scotch. What would you say is the, uh, the favorite event or uh, favorite tasting, favorite bottle? Just some favorite something involving Scotch. Something involving Scotch favorites. Um, I particularly like conversations about Scotch. Um, and I've had a few good ones. There was a, um, a friend of mine's father who um, works in alcohol, um, who I've had a number of very, very good scotch conversations with over the course of, my, over the, course of the years that I've been drinking it. And they've changed as my experiences with scotch have changed as well, which has been very cool. So, excellent. Imagine us having someone who likes to have conversation about scotch as our first guest, Dave. Who knew? Yeah, I wonder how that could have happened. Alright, so. so we've got the Yamazaki 18. I'm going to talk a little bit about this color before I, before I taste, while these, while, while these gentlemen are smelling, because I've, I've been smelling while Peter was talking, and it's fantastic. Now this has got a darker color, which might be just a little too much caramel color on it, I can't tell, but I definitely in the nose, I, I can smell the caramel in there, and... There's more to it than that too, but my, uh, my my brain is loving the caramel right now. This one I would say is particularly heavy in woods mm, and mm-hmm. sweetness. Yeah, um, so it's they, a, like a sweet fruit. They tend to balance within the nose, so it's not um, it's not as it's not overpowering necessarily, but it's very strong both in like oak and in. As you say, like a caramel or yes. yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely getting caramel and oak. I would say I'm getting a maybe a hint of molasses. Mm. Yes, yes, that's the the other. The other so that would be where the sweetness, I the think, sweet part is coming from. This one is a little more um, mellow, so you get more of the sweet flavors than the twelve year. 
Yeah, um, I've had that one as well, and that one is that one is a bit sharper than this, and you get more of the wood out of that than the than the sweet. For sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. No, this I, is uh, Peter brought this bottle graciously, and uh, I think it's fantastic that, that you had it and brought it because uh, I, I I I almost fear drinking from my bottle because I'm afraid that the day that it runs out, I'll, I'll never have it again. Yes, it, but, it is definitely a favorite of Dave's that. Uh, uh, I think we, we told the story, I think, off-air, that, that uh, or, or at least partly on-air, that I was introduced to Scotch via Convergence um, and, and Dave, and he makes the, the, the joke that uh, everyone was running around with Glenlivet, and that's what he had in his public flask. Uh, eventually, he had a public flask and a private flask, and one year, I, I want to say uh, the year we roomed together, um, in his private flask, he had the Yamazaki, and so, yeah... That that uh, definitely got me on board when when he asked me to, to join the Scotch Club when they were forming it. Uh, I was definitely in because I knew eventually that bottle would get broken out, if not officially for club, just because we were at his house. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now the year that I I had the I brought the Yamazaki. I also brought the Glenlivet Twenty One, and I alternated those between nights. And uh, so I had a Glenlivet Twelve in in the flask for for anybody who didn't offer me anything good or I didn't like them. And then uh, I had either the Yamazaki or the Glenlivet 21 for, for people who offered me something decent or uh, or was a good friend of mine. So I went through a good amount of both, actually. And uh, it was a good time. It was a good time for sure. Now, I would say the body for, for, for this straight, I wouldn't say I'm tasting the caramel. There's definitely a light sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a hint of the fruit that, that was in the nose, but I mean, it's just a very light, I'm not, I'm not even sure what fruit I'd say it is. Um, I definitely approve of it. I just can't, I'm having a hard time describing it. Yeah. There's a little bit of the molasses mm. in, in the body and, uh, in the finish too, uh, off of it, just off of it neat. You can definitely feel the, feel it there a little bit, but, um, breathe in too quickly after swallowing. Don't do that. Definitely the, the the nose after putting some water in is yeah I, I certainly have molasses on the finish I'm finally going to get around to adding the water because I've I've just been enjoying this one straight because mm -hmm. I all three of us have had this and all three of us like it and so it's kind of cheating but we we wanted to have something we knew we really liked on the first couple of episodes in the first recording night so. Yes, thank you again, Peter, for bringing this. We, when, when you said you were bringing Yamazaki, we were assuming the 12, and we were happy with that. And oh, the, the 18, it's like, dude. Definitely, I'm on my third bottle of the 12. This is um, a bottle that I purchased, actually, um, knowing what the 12 tasted like and wanting to try the 18. Um, I purchased this bottle as, a, um, as an after for my wedding evening. So and for those of us that wanted to partake... And that wedding was relatively recent, I believe. Yeah, back in November, and um, very small. So there were 14 people there. No, I'm definitely tasting the caramel with the water. and uh, It does bring out the sweet a little more. Mm. Yeah, it, it really does. It certainly does. And uh, you can really feel the, the smoothness of the oak in it as well, which is... Something that I've noticed about the, the feel of this one particularly is that it feels very light in your mouth. Yes. Um, a lot of scotches feel more oily or more heavy, um, and this one just kind of glides. I don't know that I've got a better word for it. No, that's actually 
perfect description. It's flying would almost work too. I mean, it just it's it's so smooth going down and. I'm, I'm, but it has all of the complexity of flavor that you expect from a good scotch. Yeah, and, and I'm going to say, fairly unusually, that uh, that the finish improved with the water. Oftentimes, the the, the finish will get diminished with the water, um, but in, in this particular case, it lingers longer, and it's it's definitely it, it sits nicely. It's not alcohol burning on on the tongue, but no. definitely a nice feel to the finish. I think that this one is good both ways, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most of the time I'll have a preference um, in terms of one that is very, very good without or very good with um, a a splash of water. I'll say for myself, I'd be probably more prone to drinking it faster without the water. Oh, yeah. Because with the the additional linger that the water adds, I'm not going to want to go back to the glass as fast. And as lovely as this is, and it's a pricier bottle... Let's not, you know, kid ourselves. This, this is definitely the high-end scotch of the evening by a margin, um, but not a huge margin. No, not huge. I mean, there are certainly far more expensive scotches, and and for its price point, it is excellent. Uh, I, I don't want to knock it on that. Um, it's just expensive enough that I would not want to go through it quickly. Right. And so, yeah. the, the adding the water, adding the additional linger, the fact that it opens up the, the caramel flavor a little bit more. Means I'm not going to want to have two glasses in a night in the hour that I'm going to sit and, and, and sip scotch while I'm reading my book, which is typically how I consume um, my scotch privately. And uh, yeah, I have nothing bad to say about this. So, well, we don't really have any tasting notes for this thing. There's not really anything on the bottle. There's the history of the Yamazaki from uh, from a little pamphlet that they have, and there's nothing really on the box. I, if if there were tasting notes, I would not be reading them sarcastically because I truly love this scotch. But uh, since it's not actually scotch, we'll get into that because scotch is, of course, whiskey that's made in Scotland. And this being from Japan is a single malt Japanese whiskey by by st- the strictest definition. Now, it's won several scotch awards, so... It's classified as a scotch for, for for all but the the place that it was made. And, and I think where that comes in is, is predominantly that it's a malt whiskey as opposed to a grain whiskey. Um, and it is also a single malt whiskey yes. and not a blended. Yeah, it's it's made so. in exactly the same way as this, as a scotch is, and it the only difference is that it's not from Scotland. So by legal definition of a scotch, it cannot be called one, but everybody who drinks scotch considers it a scotch and uh, there are scotches single malt whiskeys that are considered scotches from all over the world that uh, receive plenty of plenty of uh, accolades throughout throughout the scotch world well that rather segues nicely into uh, the, the lesson I think we should uh, have as part of this podcast in terms of, of uh, some scotch knowledge and that is single malt versus blend versus malt versus grain. So I almost don't want to rinse out my glass. In the hierarchy of things, you've got whiskey. You have one more to go. And whiskey comes in several forms. We are focusing on scotch whiskey. And what that generally means is from Scotland, this obviously being an exception, 
and for our purposes, well, probably 99% of the time mean single and malt. Um, also, so, the fact that it would have been cast in bourbon barrels. Right. It, well, oak barrels specifically typically used uh, bourbon barrels. There are specifically scotches that use virgin oak barrels as part of their pitch. But three years minimum aged in oak is one of the requirements for being a true scotch. Um, single malt means it's malted grain. It's, it's a malt grain and not wheat or corn, which is typically going to be your um, Irish whiskeys or your uh, bourbons. Um, single means it uses a single type of malt and not a blend of malts. Um, further, the other blends are single malts mixed together after being aged, which is um, typical of things like Johnny Walker um, and, even, and your other and your other blended whiskeys and scotches. Yeah, right. I mean even even your scotches from Scotland will often have like a a maker's bottle that's a blended. Yep. Now there are such things as single grain whiskeys that are considered scotch, but they are few and far between, uh, and personally I don't know that I've ever had one. Um, we'll probably go out of our way at some point to try to find some unusual scotches to have on the podcast, but uh, for now this is the most exotic thing we've had thus far. And we're not likely to repeat anything to this level of exoticness for a little while. No, at least not until I get my hands on the bottle of that Taiwanese stuff. Uh, there, there's a Tasmanian bottle that I was thinking about getting, but because there's fewer bottles uh, from the smaller distilleries outside of Scotland, uh, the price point of them tends to be higher. And because we are most familiar with Scottish uh, uh, Scotch malts, uh, we're, we're tending to stick to those. It's, it's a much bigger experiment to go outside the country. Uh, as part of the Scotch Club that we were in um, with the other gentlemen that we had on the pilot episode, we tried a Welsh Scotch, and it uh, did not fare well with us. Well, so, it was also like, I think it really was like a, a three-year two. It was not. Yeah, it, it, it was young. Yeah, um, it was. It was a very young scotch. We, none of the none of the Welsh whiskies have um, have the age definition that I would I would want to touch right. with with the ten foot pole. T- t- typically speaking, we're not going to probably do much of anything younger than ten years, and we're probably going to do more twelve and older, um, simply because that's what is commercially available. Um, there are some younger scotches, as I said earlier, bare minimum of three years to be legally called a scotch, but... There are um, a few sevens that are out there. Yep. There are a few exceptions, but generally speaking, most distilleries start their expressions, shut up Dave, at eight years, and uh, very few even go that young. So 10, 10 and 12 are the most common um, entry-level scotches from any distillery. And to say that it's a 10-year, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of the scotch that's in that bottle is 10 years old. Correct. It means that the youngest drop of scotch in that bottle is 10 years old. Yep. So you could have half or more of the bottle that's 12, 15, 20 years old, but by rights, the youngest cask is the one that it's labeled off of. Yep. And so uh, that that's completely up to the master distiller, the distillery, and that's a... a Level and lesson we'll go into some other time. So, mm-hmm. uh, so now we have the Craig and Moore 12, which is a space side single malt, and 
it's got a pretty normal color, but there's all it's always kind of a golden color through scotch for the most part. It's, uh, some lighter, some darker. Some lighter, some darker. I mean, the Yamazaki was dark, very dark. A dark amber, where this so I would say would be a light amber if yeah, if it gets into kind of amber. A, kind of a gold sort of look. Not that the appearance of it may, means anything in all reality. Just really kind of just means how much caramel color they threw in. But except for the Yamazaki, I think there was probably more caramel than caramel color <laughs> in there. Fairly sweet nose. Yeah, I'm getting, getting a I'm lot get, of floral I'm get, and, and honey. There's definitely some honey here. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah, definitely some light floral notes. Not getting wood, not getting smoke, not no. getting salt. No. It's a space art. I'm going to have fun mocking the taste of notes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what was that? There was something there. A lot of space sides have, have a hint of vanilla, and I'm not really getting that here. I may be getting some heather again. The honey is the strongest um, uh, scent I'm getting off the nose, personally. And just maybe a little bit of spice somewhere in the background. There's yeah, something there. there. There's a hint of something. Well, since I cheated and tasted already, I'm going to say that I can I can taste a little bit of spice in the body. But uh, well, we're moving on to the taste now, so it's fair. And this is still pre-watered. Dave's beginning to, to water his now. So. He's moving a little faster than we are on this one. He, he, he's the impatient one. I, I, um, I, like to, I like to pass the buck. I slowed down on the Yamazaki a bit and savored oh, it while they we were talking. We all did. Oh, yeah. Well, adding water doesn't really add much to the nose. See, I'm getting, I'm getting some salt on the finish. A little on the yeah, body. A little but... bit of salt on the finish. Yeah. But not really any pepper or spice. Mm-hmm. Mm. All the heat's alcohol. Yeah. Oh, we never did rank the Yamazaki though. Oh well, well, we'll we'll rank at the end, I guess, tonight. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely getting some some grassy, earthy in the uh, in the finish. I'm, I'm I I I would yeah. I would think there's some heather in the finish. I'm not really getting a whole lot in the body, to be completely honest. No, there's there's it's kind of empty. Yeah, it's it's a little flat. There's the tail end of the finish is giving me a, a flavor I, I can't quite place. It's, it's it's a note that I'm just... Let me try this again. I still haven't watered, by the way. I think this one is a prime example of what I believe is the space side curse. That they just don't really know what they're coming out with when they when they, when they make it. Just It all is kind of muddled and blended together. Although usually that is a little bit more oak in them. Yeah, this one and is mild. It's... Is it triple distilled? Is that our problem? I'm not sure. Oh, it, that flavor in the finish I'm trying to place, it, it, there's definitely a... It feels somewhere between some sort of leaf. I'm almost getting a light hint of mustard. It, it's really weird. I can't quite place what it is, but there's something that is, is, is in the finish that just doesn't feel in place with everything else. Yeah, no. There's, there's gotta add a little water and see if I can. No, there's, there's still definitely something wrong, even with with a little water to it. I run the watered nose here. The honey becomes even stronger to me. I, I'm really not gonna get anything else off on the nose post water. I agree. The body is just virtually non-existent. There's not a lot there, and that bizarre flavor I'm getting in the back of my it's the almost, back half of my tongue is it's almost an anise. Almost, mm. yeah. See, anise I would find even more unpleasant than I'm finding this, because anise is just not my flavor. But I, I'm certainly... I see where you're getting the mustard from. Though. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's certainly there's something, something here 
I could see this being good with a sub sandwich. I mean, this 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 is something I could see drinking with like I can light see fare. Having this at a, at a some sort of light dinner, yeah. Fish and chips. Mm. Yeah, maybe. With the salt adding to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah there, there's there's meatloaf sandwich. Yeah, I I personally I'm gonna say the finish is not thrilling me much. That, that whatever that mystery flavor is, it's not something I'm caring for. It's it's a yellow mustard is the closest thing I can say. It, it that still feels off, but there's definitely a hint there, and it lingers. That 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 flavor is, is what's sticking with me. So the funny thing is, after reading the box, I'm really not getting anything that um, that you're about to say on this. Craigenmore, founded by the legendary John Smith in 1869, is. For many, the definitive space side malt, which, God, if that's true, space side's got lots of problems. For malt whiskey writer Michael Jackson, no relation to the pop singer. Does it say that? No, it does not say that. <laughs> Anytime Dave breaks out of the cork dorkery voice, you know that he's adding his own aside. Well, I, I had to ask. It has the most complex aroma of any malt. Corn. Astonishingly fresh and delicate. There were there were dots there. That's why I, I paused. It was it was for dramatic effect, as as per on the box. Back in the 1920s, this was voted the finest of all Scotch malt distillers malts by their blenders. Wow, that was an ugly turn of phrase. Being titled A1 for blending, much like the steak sauce. On tasting it, it is not hard to see what those blenders saw. Mature and well-balanced with an astonishingly fragrant aroma. The slight fruitiness on the palate is overlaid with sweet, smoky notes with hints of sandalwood. Sandalwood? Anyone? Anyone? No, I didn't mm. get it either. Um, a long... Maybe. Sort of. Maybe, sort of. Sorta. Eh. Maybe sandalwood for the finish. Maybe, maybe, that. maybe that's the weird thing that I'm trying to get at. I, yeah. I don't typically taste sandalwood, right. so... A long... Finished pack with hints of smoky sweetness brings this delightful, refined experience. So accessible, yet so rewarding, gently to a close. Complexity married to such refinement is not easily found. This truly is a classic malt, still leading the space side, that John Smith set out to create. This is one of the, the classic malts from, uh, I can never remember the name of the, the bottler, uh, Diageo. And uh, they, of course, they own something like 40% of all the, the distilleries in Scotland. So they, they kind of get to decide what it and they what have, is. And they kind of have a, a short list of that as well on this. Yeah. With um, Dalwini, Kalskir, Oban, Magabulan as part of their branding. Yeah. And I mean, they they really do own something like forty percent of the scotches and the, the distilleries in Scotland. So they they really can kind of decide what they consider to be representative of of their uh, their respective regions. Interesting that they said that the last time this was graded was back in the nineteen twenties. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I've done some more analysis. I've had some more of the of the water downpour, and I've cleansed my palate with the water afterwards. And what I'm getting as the finish is a very kind of spinach flavor in the backwash. It, it, it's it's very odd. I it, it's it's I like spinach. Don't get me wrong. It's just weird to get that as the lingering flavor 
of a scotch. Of a scotch after trying to cleanse my palate with the water after that. I was, I was switching the water, trying to really work the flavor out of off my palate. And I'm definitely getting a very strong spinach with just, just that. There's still that hint of mustard. And maybe a little chicken. Oh, Don't would... push it. Don't push it. Man, if I could get a scotch that tasted like a chicken sandwich, oh, I mean, I, I would for sure be an alcoholic. I mean, I, mean, I had a light dinner, and don't get me wrong, this is this is dessert, but it's still no, no, not, it's not a chicken sandwich or a chicken salad sandwich. But no, no, I'll work on it. Fantastic. I'll work on it. Oh, definitely. I, although I don't know, would you think the poultry would last for twelve years in an oak barrel? Well, you don't, necessarily, you don't necessarily need to put chicken in the barrel to make it oh, taste just like chicken. Put it, we need to put all the other things that make chicken taste like chicken into the barrel. No. Make a, like a BLT sort of deal and just put like bacon grease in there and age that. Oh, that'd be good. And just let the bacon-infused whiskey Stoke into the bottle. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should talk about this offline. Oh, maybe. Because I think that maybe. could be too much for the for I, this stage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's being, let's go. Silly. Let's go to rating the Craig and Moore, and then we'll go back to the Yamazaki since we are fresh with the Craig. And on a high note. And on a high note, exactly. <laughs> well, because I went last, both uh, of the of the scotches in the first podcast. I think I will uh, go first this time. Um, the Craig and Moore, that finish is just confusing. I, yeah, I, I really have no good words for it. So uh, I'm going to score it as a two. Uh, it's, it's certainly not something I'm going to want to keep in my cabinet. Um, which like I said before is going to be where my threes begin. Um, it's not something I'm going to go out of my way to buy again. If, if you like salad, this might be the scotch for you. I just, I, I, I think that's going to be the way I'm going to phrase this one. It's, if you like salad, it, it just it lingers and just oh oh. I, I, someone else take the mic from me. I just Peter. Um, I am also going to give this one. I'm going to go with a 2.5 this time. I'm going to be in the middle of the board. Um, I I think that it had a little more to offer in terms of flavor than one of the other scotches that we've recently tasted than the rock mm. um, in our last episode in our last episode um, the um, so there was a certain amount of complexity to this one but at the same time I felt that it was a little empty there just wasn't a whole lot of flavor there there wasn't anything to get me through the scotch so yeah two and a half and I I, I think you're wrong about being uh, in, the, in the middle of the board here because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Cedius and rate it a two because okay. I uh, so you're you're the you're the high end of of this. I guess um, it's gotta happen once in a while. I I don't I don't disagree that this was more complex for sure than 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 the Bulatic rocks, but um, I don't. Uh, it was more complex, but it wasn't any more fun. I mean, there was no there was no fun in it. There was just it was just. It was just there, and uh, I I wouldn't I, I also wouldn't wouldn't buy it again, or ever, um, which is sad because I am typically a big fan of the the classic malts. There's some air quotes in there for uh, for the, the the six classic malts that are are, are listed, and uh, it's the only one that I haven't liked 
in, in its normal flavor, although I'm not a huge fan of Oban. Yeah, but, Oban um, didn't throw me much me either, but we'll, oh, excuse me again. we'll eventually probably get to Oban um, in the podcast. So. Yeah, well, I've got the distiller's edition, so we'll be, we'll be trying that here soon enough, which is much better than the regular version. So now let's go back to the Yamazaki. Oh, the Yamazaki. Well, this is only a score out of five. <laughs> so I can't rate it an 11? Come on. This podcast does not yet go to 11, so let's, let's, let's keep it in range. All right, all right. Um, I, I got I to gotta put it at, like, a 4.8. I don't, I don't like to, to go deviate beyond the halves, but it's, it's so close. To quite, a, it's so close cool. to a 5 that it's, it's up there. It's... It's so amazingly good that you you just if you have the opportunity to drink it, do it, and then steal the bottle. Hey, I'm watching you. I think that's fair. You definitely need to watch it. <laughs> I do too. I've known him for a long time, and I don't turn my back. Yeah. Especially if I've got scotch. Uh, I am going to uh, be slightly less generous than Dave. I'm going to give it a four and a half. Um, it's solid. I have nothing bad to say about it whatsoever. Uh, it's very tasty. It's something that uh, isn't. I feel neglect, neg- neglectful for my own Scotch collection to not have either the 18 or the 12 uh, in it at present. And uh, the 18 uh, is is worth the additional cost over the 12. And the, and the 12, I would say, I would am likely to rate well. Um, I, and we will get to that eventually too, but. Yeah, it, it's just a, a great overall scotch. I am, I am going to give this one a five on the grounds that there may be something better out there, but I haven't had it yet. This is my favorite scotch at this point in time, and I will drink it slowly um, because it is on the more expensive end. It's not something that I'll have every night, um, but it is my favorite. Yeah, it's... And we certainly appreciate you sharing it with us because that, that was that was above and beyond what we were expecting out of a guest to bring. So yeah, I uh, when, when Cedia said you were bringing the Yamazaki, I'm like, twelve eh, is a good it's a good drink, it's a good dram. And then I saw the box and I knew, and I was like, oh, a different experience. So yeah, it's it's very good, very good. Next time, yes, next time, next time we're going to have the what? Oh, we're, yeah, we're, I'm... We, we've decided that it would be a good idea for us to give to you tasting notes for scotches, single malt scotches that you are likely to find uh, out of the bar. So we are going to do the two most commonly found uh, in our personal experience here in Minnesota. Uh, I will be bringing the Glenfiddich 12. The Glenfiddich? I'm sorry, the Glenfiddich 12. And I'll be bringing the Glenlivet 12. And uh, on that, we'll wrap it up. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Peter, for being our guinea pig guest. Thank you. Indeed, Peter. Fantastic bottle that you brought. I think he's trying to bribe his way onto the show more often. Never. (laughs) Well, thank you again for joining us, and we will see you next time with the Glenfiddich and the Glenlivet 12 years. Good night. Good night.